Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Come on, put your hands together. Welcome. Good morning. I, I am your first man, I guess is what we're calling me now. Uh, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor. First male, is that what we're saying? Absolute privilege to pastor this church. If you're visiting with us, as Brian and Betty Jo have said, please connect with us. We'd love to do anything that we can to move you forward as you continue to connect with this church. Just a couple of quick things before we get into the word today. Um, first of all, I, it's just been a great weekend for our church. Yesterday, this room was packed with couples who were working on their marriage. Come on, put your hands together. And it was, oh, it was a special time. We leaned, we learned, we laughed, we cried a whole lot. I told Darla last night, I said, my eyes hurt. And just just from what a, what a day it was. And so we just love to honor those that took the time out of your day to come here and work on your marriages and your relationships and uh, be looking for that again next year. I, I forgot to announce this during first service, so I want to make sure to announce it to you, and then I'll have to tell them next week. But Monday night, uh, our very Tay Lewis, all right, premieres on The Voice on NBC, all right? So y'all didn't even know. Me and him will be on there together. And uh, no, I, <laughs> I'm going to be in a chair, you know what I mean, turning around and everything. Uh, but, but again, we're going to follow along with him on this journey and cheer him on. We're going to see if we can set up watch parties and things. So tune in. If you've never watched The Voice, tune in this Monday to be able to watch him and support him. We are so excited. He's such a blessing to this church. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, and so we're so excited for that. And um, last but not least... Um, we always like to take a second and just share where, first of all, say thank you to everybody who's given financially to this church through tithes and offerings, but also share a little bit about where that money's going and the impact that we're making. And again, thank you, those that give through tithes, through offerings every month. Because of you, we were able to put that marriage conference on yesterday. We were able to be uh, a blessing to the married couples of our church, as well as the things we're able to do outside of the four walls. And so I announced last Sunday, I'm going to talk about it over the next couple of weeks, the impact that we're making in the Congo. We are sending Bibles to the Congo. Come on, put your hands together for that. We have teamed up with a ministry where we're translating it into their language, and then we're sending them over. We've already provided 100 Bibles. That's amazing. And the reason we wanted to do that, especially during this time, is because we've been really focusing on the importance of building our homes on the Bible and made me think about those who don't have that opportunity. They don't have the Bible for themselves. And so what a blessing it is for us to be able to team up with the ministry and already send 100 that way. I've got a burden in my heart. I'm going to talk to you about it in the next couple of weeks that I think we can do even more. Um, but because of your faithfulness in finances, we've been able to go ahead and make that commitment, and we're prepping those Bibles now to send. And so thank you so much. If, if you're in here and you, you're not tithing, you haven't gave me something, I want to. You, you've heard the video. You can do that online through our website, our app. Of course, as you're walking out the door, uh, as the team will have the buckets. But go ahead and get into now what God's doing in this place. Amen? I was 17 years old uh, when I got saved. Brian, who was just on the stage, invited me to church. Uh, and I started going with him to the youth group, and I eventually started attending on a Sunday morning. And there was this fire preacher, y'all. He was on fire for Jesus, and I didn't know it then, but I know it now that the Holy Spirit was moving on my heart. And I hung on to every word that he said. From that point, he became my pastor, went on to be my mentor, hired me into ministry, officiated Darla and I's wedding, uh, helped us launch this church, and has been walking with Darla. Him and his beautiful wife, Kelly, who was with us yesterday at the marriage conference, has been walking with us every step. He, he is my hero. I, I love, he's still my favorite preacher. Um, I learned everything I know from him, and it just means the world to me to allow you to have another opportunity for him to meet you and preach to you. So would you put your hands together for Pastor Ron Woods. 
Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be back, and I just want to honor the grace and the gift that's on your pastors, Pastor Troy and Darla. God is doing great things, and there has to be a couple that that take that mantle of leadership and that responsibility and lead with all diligence, and you are blessed with pastors doing that. Will you help me honor them today? We love you. Their session yesterday at the marriage conference was brilliant and powerful, equally as practical. Uh, I watch your preaching and one of the best communicators. And you get up here every week with no notes. And I know what it takes to do that. And the way you love people, this is amazing. And so I just want to honor you guys and honor you as a church. I've been coming every year and I just feel like I'm at home. So I'm going to preach like I'm at home. Yeah. And we'll talk back just a little bit because we're like, we're just home. I want to talk to you a second about your church and then I'll just give a word to you as you follow Jesus. But there's something very unique happening here. Let me set it up like this. Some, some years ago, I'd gotten a new car and it had a, a big engine. It would really run. And I had pulled into the parking lot to go in. I think it was Walmart. And I went in. And when I came out, this guy's looking at the car. And he said, is this your car? I'm like, yeah, that's my car. And he was like, this is my dream car. And so he's looking at the car. He's telling me more about it than I even knew. And I said, well, anybody that, that knows this much about it should drive it. So I handed him the keys. I said, drive it. Take it for a spin. He's like, I could never do that. I go, you can. Go for it. So he gets in. He backs out. I'm standing there. He pulls away. And I'm thinking, I should have gotten his name. (laughs) And he pulls out. And I watch him as he just slowly goes around the parking lot. And he comes back into the parking space, gets out. He goes, thank you. I go, you should have taken it on the road and turned it loose and to see what it will really do. And so he's like, no way. And so I get in the car and I leave. And the Holy Spirit convicts me and says, I've given you the vision. And I've given you the keys. Don't ever be content to just circle the parking lot with the vision. Victory Church, I want to thank you for turning this vision loose. Come on for turning it loose and watching what God will do. Because from February of 23 to this February, you have grown 100 plus people faithful to the church. See, you're experiencing the capacity that is within this vision and and there's so much more. But anytime you're growing and you have a growth spurt, there's gonna be some growing pains. But Aren't you thankful that you have to figure out those challenges versus the challenges of a church that's not growing? I mean, my grandmother, we would go to her home for all major holidays, and my cousins would be there, and we would stand against the wall where the mark was of how tall we were. And three words I never heard is, you've had a growth spurt. (laughs) Never. It never happened. It just didn't happen. My youngest son is six feet tall. Like, the, the size, it just jumped a generation. 
Like, I've never heard that in my life. And, um, but I was 6'2 when I started pastoring 35 years ago. As you are, so once was I. I am your future. Anyway. And so when you're having a growth spurt, your body hurts. Like uh, there are challenges to a, a church family, but they're good challenges when you're growing because you're having to connect with new people, make place, and make space. And so I just encourage you with that. And th- this so relates to you as a person of vision. I was in a convenience store one time on my way to an event that required that I wear a tux. And I was the only person in that store with a tux on, and it felt awkward. Like, you know, you're walking around, and so like, and again, teachable moment, the Holy Spirit said, the reason it feels awkward is because you're dressed for where you're going. And when you get there, you, it, it feels right. Anytime God is stirring you with vision, you, you start feeling a uniqueness, uh, maybe an awkwardness, like, He's dressing you, and I think I'm talking to somebody right now. He's dressing you for where he's taking you. And it'll feel a little unique, but there will come that moment you're like, ah, this, this is what all of that was about. Would you put your hands together and praise God for what he's doing in Victory Church? Man, what a... I've always sensed it, and I've always seen it, but I'm sensing it and seeing it now at a whole different level. There is such destiny in this place. And anytime you lead a church of vision, what happens is that Pastor Troy and I, we do not want to just be vision casters. I, I never set out to just be a vision caster. I want to be a vision creator. I want the people that come to my church, I know this is true of you guys, that you can come here and dream big into the assignment that God has for you, into the life that God has for you, because he has plans for you, Jeremiah says. And maybe today, and I've just got to be very sensitive because there, you cannot recreate uh, the same experience. Like the, the first service was awesome, but we can't recreate that exact experience. We can do the same songs, and I'm basically doing the same sermon today. This sermon will go two and a half hours. That one only went 30 minutes. But, I mean, NFL's over. There's no football to watch. And the Thunder don't play until tonight. So uh, you can't recreate the same experience. And I just sense in my heart that I'm talking to people, I feel like God wants to create vision in, in you. I know this house has vision, but let the Holy Spirit create vision in you or greater vision, or maybe you need to regain your vision. And so I'll, I'll find my way back to that at the end. But here is, here is a word to you about Vision. If you're gonna, vision, you've got to have the right mentality. If you're going to live the big life that God has saved you to know, if you're going to move forward as a church and continue to take ground, can we just agree that we are not here to just hold the place where we are, the present level. We are to keep growing and keep going and keep taking ground. Amen? 
And that's the same for you. Wherever you are in your life, there is a next step. There is another season. And maybe God would help you today if you've gotten caught in a cycle of defeat, of discouragement. If there's an addiction, God does not work in cycles. He works in seasons. The devil works in cycles. Let's break the cycle. Let's break the doom loop. And let's go into the next season that God has for us. We agree, Lord. Let us do it. Just want to help you today. So let's go to our text. No one serving, 2 Timothy 2, starting at verse 4 says, as a soldier, everybody say soldier, one, two, three, gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete, would you say athlete with me? One, two, three does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer, let's say farmer, one, two, three. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. For the Lord will give you insight into all this. Inherent in the text is we see directly we're called to have the mentality of the warrior, not the civilian. We are to have the mentality of the athlete, not the spectator. We are to have the mentality of the farmer, not the consumer. If I'm going to be a person of vision in my own life, if I'm going to go for what's next, if I am going to make the most of my one and only life, then my mentality has to align with what Paul is telling Timothy. Because you will not have the future God wants for you without opposition. And, and if you have the civilian mentality, you will not fight the good fight of faith. You will not take hold of the weapons of warfare that are not carnal but mighty. You will not hold to the promise that you're more than a conqueror, that you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. You won't get on your knees and pray it through until you know you have a word and a leading and you move forward on that word. Don't have to see it. I'm a person of vision. I see it in my heart before it hits the physical realm. And so you'll fight for it. For parents in the room, for those of you that are not, I just can tell you that the enemy is making a play right now to label this generation as one of anxiety and depression. I see depression spiking, and I see anxiety at an all-time high. The counselors that we refer people to, it is months before somebody can set an appointment. They've never been busier. I get that. But if we don't manage this moment right, the next generation, we will look at them as a problem to solve rather than what God is wanting to do next. Can I get an amen right there? Our perspective, and if I'm fighting the good fight, I'm not going to let a label like that rest on them. My vision of the next generation is that they will be Daniels in a Nebuchadnezzar world. They're going to stand when everyone else is, is bowing. They're going to hold to God and hold to truth and hold to integrity. And they will be a change agent, not conform to the world, but they're going to change the world. But that's a mentality. And, and if that's my vision, then you're going to, God's going to allow me to strategically move from that vision and help people live in the freedom, the destiny. 
I'm going to do things for my kids and my grandkids and the next generation of my church so that they can be those Daniels in a Nebuchadnezzar world. Number two, the athlete. No, let, let, let me I just feel pressed here a second. If I get the civilian mentality, I'll, I'll get caught in the trivial. And I will let the enemy normalize minimal spiritual passion. And I will feel like it's totally normal. <coughs> Faithful church attendance in America is now looked at as once a month. And we need to check ourselves on that. The number one thing you're, you can do to help your kids have a personal faith, a courageous faith, and a missional faith. Personal, that it's not religious, but they have a relationship with Jesus. Courageous, they're standing when everybody else is bowing. Missional, they want to be the light of the world, not be conformed to the world. Yeah. Number one thing you can do is be real. Be real. Be real. The second great thing you can do is bring them faithfully to a disciple-making church. Let me think of one. Oh, <laughs> Victory Church. Come on, praise God that we can. Come on, that's it. Put a clap offering right there. We're going to make a difference being real and being faithful to church. If I'm faithful to church but I'm not real, there's going to be a breakdown. If I'm real but I'm not faithful to church, there's going to be a breakdown. Because your kids, they have to be surrounded. Surrounded by a bunch of people that will have great voices of truth that will help them offset the com competing voices of lies. I'm, I'm 58. I've seen it over and over again. And those who are real, not perfect, real. Not perfect, surrendered. Those who are faithful, when they could just do any and everything else, but they're faithful, I watch the result. And all the studies are in that if you will be real and you will be faithful, you will position your sons and daughters to have a personal faith, a courageous faith, and a missional faith. When you take on the civilian mentality, you will normalize minimal spiritual passion and so if you coast spiritually, your kids won't do anything spiritually. If it's, not, if it's not important enough for me to be passionate, then it's not important enough for them to be attached in any way whatsoever. Amen. Can we talk to ourselves? We're, gonna, we're not going to be caught up in that stuff. We're going to raise sons and daughters that love Jesus and that are going to be all that God wants them to be. And, you know, the way you live, it's not a guarantee, but it sets them up for the greatest potential of having that kind of real-world faith. But after all, what Jesus has done, it's worthy of a passionate love for him. Come on, when you're singing gratitude today, I want, I, like, yes, I throw up my hands. Because, God, you've been so good. You gave your life. I'm the reason. You're the reason I'm here. I have breath in my lungs because you decided to let me breathe. I have a family because of your blessing. And I'm not going to return this minimal spiritual passion. Come on, let's be on fire 
for Jesus. Professor, when you talked about, man, I had this fire preacher. I never wanted to just be a fire preacher. I wanted to be a fire Christian who preached. I never wanted to be a great leader. I wanted to be a great person who leads. And all this leadership talk, I'm all about it. But I'm not trying to push more greater leaders into the future. I'm trying to push great people into the future. Because then when they lead, their talent hasn't taken them where their character can't keep them. See, it's, it's real. If I've just flipped a switch and I'm, and this is a gig, and I'm just using my gift, this is nothing more than a TED Talk. And it's going to last 20 minutes, and this one will not last 20 minutes. Word. And, and then we go. No, I'm, I, I, through the night, I'd send an Isaiah passage, but through the night, God gripped me. I'm here to say, God, speak through me. God, work today. God, grip us. God, convict us. God, change us. God, stir us up. And if he does it, then we're going to fight the good fight of faith. And we're not going to let our faith be privatized. Where the only time we talk about Jesus is here or at home. But once we get outside of here or at home, we, we only talk about it if somebody initiates, but we don't initiate. And the enemy just sits back and says, that's, that's what I've always wanted. Just, just talk about Jesus at church. You believe in the power of God that's at work right now in this gathering, and that same power is at work in our going. Our gathering is going to be awesome because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is operative in this place. Our going is going to be powerful because the same spirit that raised Christ will be operative in your heart, in your thoughts, giving you words to say to people that need Jesus. Who I'm not sorry. Number two, the athlete, not the spectator. The athlete, notice doesn't receive the victor's crown. That's about eternity, except by competing according to the rules. According to the rules, that's integrity. So enough said. Be real. We're not perfect, but be real. You're training to win this race. You're training to make a difference. It is telling us that so much of what an athlete does, no one else sees. There, that so much of the training is in private could be very early in the morning. It's in those times that nobody else sees. And this is that teachable moment to where, how is my private devotional life? Because my public impact is a direct result of my private devotional life. You can have church all by yourself. You can seek God and have your prayer times and that. And, and then, then, my friends, we aren't doing church and we aren't doing witnessing and we aren't doing ministry. We are. We are. We are walking in the spirit. We are walking in life. We are walking in love. We are walking in holiness. We are walking in influence. The farmer. The farmer is the hard worker. The consumer wants it quickly. The farmer values process. 
the consumer, and, and it is such a part of our culture. We just want everything so quickly. Uh, I, I just wish I could pray over me and I would be in excellent shape. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Didn't work. Try it again. <clears throat> and that only comes by training. That only comes by process, right? The farmer teaches us that, that there is a harvest, but there's first got to be some seed sowing. And that when I appreciate the process as a parent, I might be in a tough season with one of my sons, one of my daughters, but, but we're moving from season to season, and I know that when the process has finished, it's going to be the way it needs to be. I appreciate the process where there is, at times, you don't see anything happening. Think about the farmer who plants, and he, he is prayerful that what all is happening beneath the surface is happening the way it's supposed to happen. Like there's an ecosystem, right, that is, that is working so that that seed can germinate and ultimately the roots grow down and the harvest comes up. I could preach all day on the ecosystem of a church that is allowing all your new believers for their roots to grow down and the fruit to come forth because you have an environment. Your home has an environment. There's like an ecosystem spiritually within your home that is conducive to growth. And like the farmer, you're planting the seed of truth, the seed of love, the seed of encouragement, the seed of, of support. You're planting the seed of discipline. And then you're watching over that and praying over that. And over time, you watch early this morning. My wife, Kelly, who's back in Virginia where our sons live, she sent me a quick video of my son at 6.30 and his worship team. He's the worship leader at his church. And there he is leading worship. And he's 24. And, it's, you know, the, the process of just watching him through these years. And, and God had put the talent there. But we got to be a part of being vision creators. We didn't call him to the ministry, and I'd never do that. But I'm watching over. Train up a child in the way they should go. That is about truth, and it's also about talent. I'm watching what are the giftings that God has put in my kids, and then I'm going to expose them to opportunities for those gifts to be awakened. I like Labrador retrievers, and I've had them over the years, and I will train them. And, it, and it's just amazing to watch a little Labrador Retriever puppy at, at just six weeks old. You can just throw a little sock, and that puppy will go after that sock. Like, how'd you do that? Because it's in that, that retriever to retrieve. What you're doing is just awakening. You're awakening what's already there. And when you are vision creating for somebody... You are using that intuition, that discernment to, to awaken gifts, to awaken callings, to, and then you expose them to opportunities. Oh, my God. So much in this as being the farmer, not the consumer. Where is this church going to be one year from now? Five years from now. Because here's the thing. You're going to be working the field called Victory Church, and harvest is going to be coming up. 
I can't wait. I will be with you every step of the way, watching what God is doing, cheering you on, because you value the seed of the word. You value the seed of prayer. You value the seed of encouragement. And you let that seed become way more than any of us could ever imagine. How, how does a seed so small produce so much? That's the God thing. That's the God part of this. And so you have ingredients. You have talents. And when you yield those to God, you're giving God the opportunity to take it to a place beyond what you could even imagine, beyond anything you could even think. My grandfather raised incredible crops, and it's interesting. It says the farmer should be the first to receive a share. The farmer, when the farmer takes and eats from the crops, that, that farmer tastes differently. That farmer's tasting hard work and vision and perseverance. When I come here, it's not just thing, I'm not just tasting enthusiasm and excitement. I'm tasting faithfulness. I'm tasting that you heard the call of God and you left Memphis and you sold out everything. I know you did it. I watched it and you came here. Started planting this church and then we had a pandemic. And we all had to process through that. And here we are with 100 more people now attending this church than one year ago. And instead of going, 100 more people, I'm, whoo, because I know what it takes. Being faithful, diligent, persevering, disciplined, determined, those are the seeds. Blessed by God that yield a harvest. Uh, who in this room that wasn't, you weren't even here a year ago. You weren't coming to this church. Anybody in this service, you weren't coming to the, hold them up just a second. Look around. Look at this. Oh, you weren't coming here a year ago. See, that seed of vision from the first thought that God was saying, go plant a church. All of you were in that vision thought. But because you acted on the thought, and like a farmer, you've been working hard. Harvest. Come on, I know this, this isn't easy. This, isn't, this doesn't just happen. This is God. This is his presence. This is his power. This is his blessing. Come on, we're on the winning side. We're doing something here at Victory Church. Thank you, God. All right. I'm going to ask the worship team to come because I want to honor our closing with a careful response. I started with asking you to consider vision, or perhaps you need to regain your vision. Let me bring that down to Elisha's servant. His servant gets up early one morning, looks and says, we've been surrounded. And he goes to Elijah and says, we're surrounded by the enemy. Like, this is desperate. And it says that Elisha prayed that his servant's eyes would be open. He didn't pray for a problem-solving plan, a strategic exit. He prayed for vision.
God told me to tell somebody today, up against your biggest challenge, instead of saying, how am I going to work this out? Just pray for vision. Then I'm, I'm intrigued by blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10, and, and I've got this version that gives us an insight that, that the others don't that is so true. Blind Bartimaeus is saying, Jesus, how son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd say, be quiet. And he shouts even more, and Jesus says, bring him to me. And when they bring him, Jesus says, and here's the question, what do you want me to do for you? And Blind Bartimaeus says, let me regain my sight. Something had happened in his life. He once could see, but something happened and he lost his vision. He said, Jesus, he didn't ask. In that day, blind Bartimaeus was sanctioned to beg. He had a mat. There was a certain cloak because when he got up to go to Jesus, he threw his cloak. That cloak was a sanctioned garment where everybody would know this man is able to beg. It's legal for him to beg. And when he comes to Jesus, he didn't say, Jesus, I'm going to need a new cloak. I would like a better chair to sit in. I need my friends are just so worn out from taking me places where I could just beg to survive another day. He didn't ask for anything. He asked for vision. He said, God, would you help me regain my sight? Wow. And you catch a vision to be that warrior, that athlete, that farmer in mentality, or you regain that vision. Just a week, uh, just three to four weeks ago, let me just be specific. Exactly three weeks ago, we were to have a grand opening of the latest building we have just finished. It's a $7 million activity center that would provide ministry through our church and our school. We were ready. Everything had been done. We worked so hard on this. It's been a dream for years, and it's finally done. And exactly seven days before the grand opening, the fire suppression system malfunctioned. 110 gallons of water filled that building. And it's what they call a catastrophic loss. The beautiful gym floor completely destroyed. The lobby destroyed. We were on the verge of all these things. Our two varsity teams, the girls team and the guys team from our school, first year in the history of the school, the girls won their conference, conference champions, the guys' conference champions. That championship night would have been in our building. Then you start postseason play. The first level is district. Then you go to regional, then area, then state. The district tournament, hundreds of people. It would have been in our building. But we have no building. Destroyed. And so... When I got news of that and I walked into that destruction, I felt surrounded by the enemy. And my mind was like, okay, this, how, who are we going to call? And I started problem solving and the Holy Spirit just said, don't do that. Pray for vision. And I stood in the midst of that mess. 
And I said, God, give me vision. I'm not going to attach my emotions to all of the scenarios of how this may play out. God, I know when the enemy tries to spoil one of your parties, you just throw a bigger party. God, if Elisha's servant could have his eyes open and see there are more for him than those who are against him, then God, open my eyes to what you want to do. What you want to do. So maybe that's you today. Maybe instead of fixing yourself to the problem, the most pressing challenge of your life, let's just lift our eyes and pray for vision. If, if life and its pressures have taken your vision, let's regain vision today. Amen, church? Let's give him a clap offering of praise. He's going to give vision today. Stand with me. Mm. Holy Spirit, you are in this place. Here in a moment, I'm going to ask this team to start singing. And we are going to go in. We're going to go with all of our heart into praise and allow perspective and vision just to overtake us. But I want to pray for you before we sing. I just want to pray, God, in the name that is above every name, just stir vision today. God, I pray that some would regain vision. Maybe it's a husband and a wife. Maybe, Lord, it's just a, a young adult that's they know they have a future but they've struggled in some way. God, that person whose heart's grown cold toward you, they're stirred today because they have a vision of you. And when they have that right vision of you, it calls them to a first love. Lord God, I pray over Victory Church because I know eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It has not even entered our minds what you have in store. We're standing in the middle of a miracle, and Lord, we see it, we receive it, we thank you for it, and yet we know the best is yet to come. God, put vision, put vision. I just pray right now. I pray victory that will come as a result of vision. Let this be a vision-creating service. Somebody needs to start a business. Somebody needs to take their business to the next level. Somebody needs to say, I've got the ingredients. I don't have everything I have, but I can use what I have, and I'm not going to despise the day of a small thing. I've got seed to sow, and that's all it takes for a harvest to come. I pray in the name of Jesus that everybody here in this place would know that on the other side of the battle, there is a victory, that on the other side of the competition, there is a prize. And that on the other side of seed sowing and farming, there is a harvest. And we give you praise. I hear the Holy Spirit saying to you, church, stand firm. Be steadfast and movable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because you know that the work is not a man. Stand firm. Be a warrior. Stand firm. Immovable. Always abounding. That's the competition. Keep at it. Knowing that your labor, that's the farmer, is not in vain because it's in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Holy Spirit, just, just come upon us today in vision. Holy Spirit, you're the greatest visionary ever. You are the visionary. In light, illuminate. Just cause our... Uh, illuminate. Illuminate. 
Illuminate, God. Illuminate, I pray. Illuminate our eyes spiritually to where we see like we've never seen before. Let's sing it today.